In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. If I do good morning, I hear that I'm chastised, brutalized, and Paul will threaten to kick me off the podcast again. So I will save my Irish, Scottish, English, Welsh, German blended accent for another day. Because today, we have the important task of talking about offensive tackles. It's, it's juicy. It's juicy. There's not really much at the top. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna there's say. plenty going on underneath. If you guys are looking for a nice filler podcast, 15, 20 minutes, the offensive tackle position, the offensive guard position may be uh, some quick ones for you. So, Because we've got a first-round pick who's doing pretty good. We've got a free agent signing from last year that, well, I believe he was an all-pro. So... I think we're all right there. I think I think I think the starters are uh, are pretty solidified, right? Yeah. So we saw just below average play from um, Wills, which is fine. It's rookie play. We weren't expecting wonders. Um, we've got a couple of years before we need to make any decision, um, and, and I'm confident just because it was poor. Well, not poor, but just below average in year one. That that's nothing about his long term development. Obviously, there's lots of challenges moving side less training time, everything like that. So uh, I'm confident we'll see a nice trajectory, but we've got two years before we need to make a decision. And then you got the other side where you've got Conklin. Well, before we move to Conklin, the one nice thing about Wills, he was a top 10 pick, obviously. You saw flashes. Like it wasn't one of those ones where you, you drafted him and you're like, wow, we've seen some decent and some bad. Like you saw some really good and you saw some, Nye, we could do a little bit better there. I mean, he definitely has to improve on his run blocking game. It's definitely the weaker part of his game. Um, and I think the odd part is, and you'll hear a lot of offensive line talk about that, is it's almost easier to get better at run blocking than it is pass blocking. So I think we know that in the pre-draft prep, a lot of people said that Wills's attributes were a lot centered around his athleticism, right? His ability to move his feet, which is vital in pass pro. So the fact that he graded out a lot better in pass pro than he did in run blocking to me is a positive step. Cause you know, there was, there was some penalties out there. I think he finished the season with uh, 11 penalties. So we gotta, we gotta get that down a little bit, but for the most part, I think, you know, we saw a thousand snaps out of Jedrick Wills. He played in all 17 games, which is good. Well, 17 of the 18 games, I should say. Um, so we saw a lot of things. So not a lot to be excited about for Jedrick Wills. Yeah. And this one, he's working with Callahan. So, and, if, unless you bring back Dante Scarnecchia, he's got the best in the business. Um, and that's a nice place to be as a young uh, tackle. And obviously, he's, he's next door to Joel Batonio. So he doesn't have to worry about too much from the inside. It's just focus on the outside. Um, you've got an absolute brick wall next to you. Baker is happy. Now, Jack Conklin. This should be another short one. Now, I think he's one of the league's best right tackles. He, the best right tackle, according to PFF last year. Um, number one in the business. Um, the, the interesting thing about him, he's got two years left. So what do you do? And it, it wouldn't be a podcast with us two unless we mention uh, Andrew Berry Buzzword. Sequencing. sequencing. Which sequencing. when we say sequencing, what, what do we actually mean? The idea is you effectively can afford one 
offensive tackle veteran deal on the roster. So the idea of sequencing is you go from let's pay Jack Conklin to let's pay Chetrick Wills and it just flows so nicely. So it's one thing where almost in a year's time the first point where you might have a decision part where you go, actually, let's try peg on two more years onto Conklin's deal. You might be cheeky and go for a third because then you can trade him on. Um, at the end of that deal but that's something where you might look oh this is a good point let's add three more on to the end of his deal we're actually only going to get him to play this other one he's got left those two and then we'll trade him because actually if Wills hits how we hope Wills hits we don't need Jack Conklin well we can't afford Jack Conklin at that number anymore and you're going to keep Wills because he's the young stud and the ironic part is, is obviously you bring Conklin in as a free agency. And a lot of people say, oh, they're free agents for a reason. Well, the Browns signed him. He comes in first team associated press, all pro. And then I believe he was also pro football writers association, um, all pro at tackle. So, I mean, you have one of the best tackles in the league over there on the right side. You've got him for two more years. You've got a de- rookie developing at left tackle. You know, the, the top of the mountain in terms of the Browns offensive tackle play, I think is set for a minimum for the next two seasons. Yeah, I, th- I think it's definitely set for two and potentially longer. Um, but yeah, and it, Conklin, I think is still relatively young. Have you got his age there? Jack Conklin is 26 years old. His birthday is 12 days before mine. So he's born 1984. Which gives you a really interesting dynamic because it'll be 28 when his current deal's out. Mm -hmm. You can easily go, if Will's not the guy, and obviously we think Will's will be, but if Will's isn't the guy, that in two years' time you can draft another left tackle. You can then extend Conklin for another three, four years. And you're keeping that sequencing going because who knows, Conklin might not be the guy. And then... The other route is, if Wills turns out to be a stud, you could go as high as a first-round draft pick in a year's time at tackle and go, we're going to have the best swing tackle in the NFL for a year because Conklin's always going to have this injury question around him. And we're just going to allow that guy to develop. And then in a year's time, he's going to transition straight in and replace Conklin. Conklin's going to turn into a third or fourth-round comp pick for us, which is, hey, it's free money. And the line goes on. So it might be one where the Browns, they've got that much talent. They're going to use a first round pick to develop them behind two studs. That's how great franchises do it. It's almost like the Steelers and how they draft those defensive guys. You know, you bring them in, whether it's a Bud Dupree, whether it's, you know, uh, Cam Hayward coming in. I mean, they just get these guys, they put them into the system and then two, three years down the road, they're just cornerstones of the franchise. So when we're talking about the Browns offensive tackles, I mean, I think you're set there on the starters. Now the question, like you mentioned, is the development behind them because, you know, obviously Kendall Lamb's a little bit, you know, older in terms of offensive tackle years. And then you also have Alex. Yeah. And that's the question is whether or not you're going to bring him back. Um, I think, yeah, Hubbard's coming back and he's got, he didn't hit the number of snaps that he needed. And, you know, Kendall lab, I think is 28. He'll be 29 for next year. So he's still not crazy old, but like I said, I think they, they like what they see out of Alex Taylor. Those are the uh, the main names. You know, we talk about backups. They got a guy on the reserved opt-out list, Drake Dorbeck. I'm going to spend about as much time sp- talking about Drake Dorbeck. Yep, that's the end of Drake Dorbeck's discussion for the uh, for the podcast. But, yeah, I think he's a guy, obviously, they brought in. They like him. He's 6'7", 317 pounds, rookie. So these are guys you just give Bill Callahan and say, hey, let me know if you see anything with him. Um, Alex Taylor – 
he's the interesting one because Jack, as you can probably remember, he's been gone. They injury settled him, then they brought him back. So, you know, in terms of contract and stuff like that, how many years do we really have Alex Taylor's rights controlled? Because if I'm not mistaken, didn't they bring him back on? I think this is his first year. So he's on a, a um, futures deal um, or he's still signed up as an ex- So they re-signed him as an exclusive rights free agent sort deal or however it works. It's basically on the minimum. Um, so as far as I'm aware, this is his first league year in the league. Um, means he's got another three where he's under contract for us. So we've got nothing really to worry about. Um, that fourth year would be a... Uh, restricted free agent but if what is two and a half it's similar to the Kadero Hodge one correct yeah exactly it's the same as that and it, if you want to keep him long term then even if you're paying two and a half it's, it's peanuts in the grand scheme of it um, you, you would just pay him a deal so just sort of he, he's intriguing in a way because even though they activated him nearly every week they never they never allow, allowed him to actually be active on game day so they activated him up to the full roster, um, but then never played him. So not quite sure what the plan was. They obviously, they love the potential. Do not like where he's at um, quite at the moment. So fingers crossed he, he, he can do it. And um, if, if he can step up, potentially not this year, but next year into that third OT spot, that, that's a really big win. So on average, what is the NFL roster size for offensive tackles? Is it four? So, yeah, it's nine across the O-line, four tackles, three starting interior, one backup guard, one backup center. So you're looking at four spots. So if we look on that third spot, you've got the option, the big name already on the roster is Chris Hubbard. You've got a choice, basically an option of 3.75 million to either pay him um, and keep him or you move on. And I think that's one that he'll stay all the way through draft and it'll be a camp decision whether you keep him or not. And if they draft someone, it could be as high as a third round pick that they go, actually, we really like this guy and the late third, fourth, fifth, we're going to draft him or anyone in camp. If they get two tackles, they like beat him out. It's the perfect time to go, right, we'll free up that 3.75. He was the 11th best guard according to PFF last year. So he can go and start for a team probably on the interior rather than the exterior. Um, but he, he can certainly go do a job, and especially in a world where you've got camp cuts and you've got camp sort of camp, cap limitations. If the Browns were one of these teams, which was 40, 50 million over the cap, one of their moves we'd probably be making is going, actually, it's the end of Antonio. Let's put in this guy that's on 3.75 million. Um, obviously, we've still got Sashi Brown rollover, so it's not a move we need to make. But it's one of those sort of ideal moves that potentially if you keep him for a year, you could go down that route. Yeah. And I think, I think the real summer is the Browns. One of the, you know, the cornerstone positions on a football field is obviously the offensive tackle. It's one of the few positions that you feel comfortably investing that first round pick in. And you look at the Browns and they're, they're doing it the right way. You've got your guys. They're unquestionably the starters. You've got a guy like Hubbard in the wings. And at the end of the day, if Chris Hubbard and Alex Taylor are battling for those that third string, that OT3, as we'll say it, that is a great position to be because, you know, Hubbard's, Hubbard's a guy that drew a lot of ire of Browns fans, you know, when he signed that five-year deal uh, back in, I think, 2018 because he didn't kind of step in and show it right away. He had a lot of issues. And then the team believed in him. 
Bill Callahan believed in him. You give him the right coaching. And, you know, the Browns have had Bob Wiley and then they had um, James Campen. So they've had good offensive line coaches, but we just never had offensive continuity. You know, we were changing offensive schemes every couple of years. So as you remember, I had Haley, uh, Todd Haley brought in Chris Hubbard from Pittsburgh. So this was a guy that was brought in because of a specific skill set and always filled in admirably over there. He comes here and we wonder why, oh, he didn't do so good. Then all of a sudden, well, we start acting like the Steelers do and well, now Chris Hubbard's good again. So it's like a lot of times I think fans need to get it. Out. We, you probably weren't around for this, but back in the Mitchell Schwartz days, Mitchell Schwartz, second round pick out of Cal uh, comes in and he struggled his first year, but you know, you got guys running right and guys running left and all over the place. And Joe Thomas kept saying like, no, this guy's like a really good tackle, like really good. Like we should really keep him. And then the Browns screw around and then he walks. And then shockingly enough, he's a right, an all pro right tackle again. And there was people in here that wanted to run him out of town for being a bust. So, you know, with the, with the blend the Browns have with two undoubtedly, you know, top end starters. And we hope Wills develops into that for his third, fourth and fifth year in the league. It'll be nice to see what he does in a full off season, by the way. Um, then you have that nice feeder program. So if all of a sudden you have a COVID or, you know, whatever it is next year, you have a guy like Hubbard step in, he performs admirably. And now you got to have a guy like Alex Taylor, who knows, maybe if there's a guy in the fifth, sixth round that you like, you know, you just grab onto, bring him into camp. Listen, you know, you'll notice the Steelers, the Ravens, the, you know, the Rams, all these teams, they bring these guys in from day three picks. They cut them if they're no good. It's okay. Like if you, you take a shot on a guy you like, and if it doesn't work, you cut them. It's okay. When you have competition and you have those starters at the top, it's not the worst thing in the world to have these guys come in and battle. Yeah. And I've always said a round six, round seven player, they're just pre-order UDFAs. That's all it is. Once you get sort of the talent is in the first three rounds, you've got some tasty picks in rounds four and five. But after that, it, it's pretty much the same as you're getting in UDFAs. Well, didn't the Browns pay the cornerback AJ Green basically like he was a six-round pick? I mean, they paid him a bonus that was higher than some draft picks. So you're 100% right. And it's just nice that this is one of those easy position groups. You know, I heard you and Sam Penix talking about the wide receivers. Um, I haven't quite made it onto the uh, tight ends yet. So it's one of those things we don't have as many question marks. You know, we have a lot of exclamation points and that's the good thing because when we talk about a team that's fighting to move up and advance, you know, we come into the Super Bowl week, the chiefs had their left tackle go down and they've had issues with, you know, obviously Mitchell Schwartz uh, missing some time there on the right. So this is a team that the quarterback has to compensate for poor tackle play. Now, when you can sync up good tackle play and a good quarterback, you start seeing that Brady-esque like with Skarnecchia. That's why he was so valuable to those Patriots teams because they could plug in a David Andrews or a Joe Tooney or whoever it is, plug these guys in and they performed and then go out and get their 40, 50, 60 million dollar contract somewhere else. And sort of the one thing people might ask, they might look at Hubbard's deal and yeah, he's got some signing bonus left there, but it's effectively 3.75 million. Do you keep him? Do you not? And it's a fair question to ask of, hey, why would you spend that much to a backup? And long-term, the team won't. But short-term, if they're going, actually, he's the ideal guy that can step into all four of those tackle and guard spots, um, do a job straight away, and it allows you to develop someone behind them. If they had someone they liked a lot more, no issue. You, you just step straight over. But if not, then you almost need to have someone you feel really good about. You're obviously always going to have the question with Jack Conklin that something could go wrong. Um, we've seen it before. Wyatt Teller obviously had a couple of games with issues. 
you're better having that just one extra year of going, look, 3.75 million, it's not the end of the world. Let's just pay it. If you're sat there in a year's time and you've got Nick Harris at center, you've got uh, Michael Dunnell, Drew Forbes at guard, you've got Alex Taylor that you really like at tackle, then you don't need that sort of really good sixth sort of piece. But I would say just for this year, it's worth it. Obviously in camp, you, that you can change drift and go, look, this guy they really, really love. Alex Taylor is the player they want him to be. They've picked up some sixth, seventh rounder that's looking great. Let's go with the future. And if someone goes down, we'll make it work. Yeah, and the nice part is, is a lot of people have to remember, Chris um, Hubbard tore those knee ligaments towards the end of December. So coming into OTAs and stuff, these young guys are going to get, you know, quite the number of reps, um, which is nice because then you're going to see who is the viable candidate. You know, maybe it is Drake Dorbeck. I don't know. It's the second time we've mentioned him. It's more than we mentioned him all season, but Hey, get him in there. He's been opted out. So, you know, he knows his fresh legs, let Hubbard rehab that knee, get back to where he needs to get to. And uh, like I said, I, I think one of the stronger position groups on the Browns, team is offensive tackle and it's right up there with offensive guard no it's it's exciting there's a lot of upside and uh it wouldn't surprise me if, if we get a nice uh nice little trade pick for uh chris hubbard in camp if if we do decide to go a different route then uh we might be able to flip him for a uh, fifth or a sixth stranger things have happened but overall if you were to evaluate the browns offensive tackle room on one to ten no sevens seven what would seven. you get? <laughs> Sorry, Paul, we had to do that to you. Um, I would go an eight. Um, Same. It's, it's not quite a nine. Star I think starters to me are nine. For me, Jack Conklin's a 10. Um, <laughs> he is the first team all pro. <laughs> there isn't the anyone higher. Right I mean, him and Ryan Ramchick, I mean, I guess are the, probably the only two guys that you could give tens to. A 10, a 10, as they say. Um, I, I, I think Wills is that seven Six. that we're not allowed to give. Six, seven. Yeah, just a, there's so much, there's lots of upside, but we want to see it first. Um, Hubbard, for me, I, I would say, I could argue an eight. Um, just In terms because, of a swing guy, yeah, inside, outside. Yeah, it, it's it's a little bit of money, but the quality you're getting is insane. And Alex Taylor, I'd say a four. He's I like him. He's an eye. He's an eye incomplete. We don't know anything about it. We've never seen him play. In, we've seen him in the senior bowl. But no, your point is correct. Like we're, I just like the setup we have. That's why I would say for the starters of a nine, because you do have a first round pick. You saw some flashes of him. I mean, some of the, the one play that comes to mind for uh, Jedrick Wills is what he did to your boy, Harold Landry. When Landry tried to get into his chest, he karate chopped them hands and slammed dunked him, slam dunked him to the ground. So like I said, we saw some flashes of brilliance out of Jedrick Wills. There was a couple games in there where I think he was bouncing back from and I was that it was, did he have COVID or he had something, right? He was just not, he didn't seem himself there like week 15, 16. Um, but at the end of the day, I thought he played well, no major, you know, faux pas. We got to cut down on those penalties. Like I said, Conklin only had two and he had 11. So let's, uh, let's get those penalties down. Let's get a full off season of training in. We don't have to worry about the draft stuff now. And I think we're going to be talking about one of the top, you know, five to seven offensive left tackles in the league next year. Yeah, no, he's, he can really make that step forward. And we only need him to be top 16 next year, and it's a really strong position for sort of top 16 for left tackles. It's um, nice to finally be debating. Top eight. It's nice to finally be debating whether we're going to keep around a first-round pick and we're not calling him a bust after the first year. Oh, new Browns football, baby. New Browns football. 
But no, it's 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 a talented room as we've sort of touched on. We really like it. There's lots of upside. Um, it, it's just more or less we've got two years. Let's find the next right tackle. Um, and and that's no, we're not pushing Conklin out the door because he's not great. We're saying, hey, <laughs> we want to get even better and cheaper. And uh, if they can find someone that can play as a topper half, top half of the league starter and be on a rookie deal, amazing. Stop thinking like fans in the season. Start thinking like a GM and you'll know why we have to develop somebody for two, three years down the road. Because you want to have that seamless transition. You don't want to go from all pro to all no real quick. I like that. So, yeah, wild card pick for 2022 NFL draft is the first pick to be an offensive tackle. Boom. Well, if you remember right last year, there was a lot of decent tackles that fell to that back half of the first round. You know, remember like the Austin Jacksons and those guys. So, I mean, the Eagles have done it. A few teams have done it where they've grabbed that offensive tackle late because then you do have that fifth year option if you need it, if the guy develops. So, you know, it's and, and, and at a position like offensive tackle, you don't mind, you know, now that we're obviously the fifth year options are a little different financially. But yeah, you definitely don't mind it. So for sure, 100%, it's one of those positions that you have to continually investing assets into and, you know, continually finding the Wyatt Tellers and, you know, those guys, the plug in at guard, you know, you're not using first round picks on them. You know, Batonio obviously was a second round pick. So um, offensive line looking good. So I think that's it for the offensive tackles. Uh, we'll get the offensive guards done uh, probably later this week. It's been madness in the Chicago. We've got 10, 12, 15 inches of snow out there. My back's killing me. So the do- I had to shovel pathways for the dogs. So thank you, Mother Nature. Yeah, so no, they'll be coming, that show will be coming to you on Friday. Um, and then, yeah, that's wrapping up the offense. And we get onto the defensive side of the ball. So we're going edge, we're going interior, we're going linebacker where there's a rumor that I might spend a little bit of money. And then we're going corner safety and then special teams. And racking up the show. We'll have to see the, the teaser on that catfish because I, I do know what you're talking about, Jack. And I must have said, I, I thought you had hacked as well. <laughs> All right, most importantly, go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns.